hear, feel, think, and listen to episode 3 of A Grand Line Reborn, a One Piece slash Final Fantasy fourteen podcast brought to you by Third Impact Anime. I'm Tobias, and today we have something a little bit different. While I am still chucking along in the Alabasta Saga One Piece, Bill completely burned through all the 2.x patches in A Realm Reborn in like a two-week period. For those of you that know, that expansion ends with a very explosive finale, so Bill and I immediately jumped on a Discord call to talk about it, but we didn't have our usual recording setup ready. I attempted to record the raw Discord audio, and I thought I had it right, but unfortunately the volume levels were completely messed up, making that audio completely unusable. But since there was no way I was not going to let Bill talk about that ending, I had him record a monologue about his thoughts instead. We also did record a discussion about the first half or so of Alabasta, up until the Straw Hats get to the eponymous country. As we had to delay this episode because of the holidays, and because we were doing other work for the main podcast, which you should listen to, we hope to bring you another episode this month to compensate. As discussed previously, we've watched both the 2017 One Piece compilation film episode of East Blue, as well as the no-clip documentary on Final Fantasy XIV Online, and we will be discussing those next. In addition, I still need to finish up Alabasta and catch up to Bill, so I look forward to that before we continue into the next arc altogether. As always, feel free to drop us a line via email. Our address is a grand line reborn at gmail.com. That's all one word. We would love to hear your reactions to our discussion so far. Any input you have regarding either or both series uh, or any suggestions for future episodes as well. I would like to thank the people that have sent us fan mail so far. Bill and I are both loving the ride of Ron and are getting a kick out of the fact that other people are enjoying it as well. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and enjoy this episode. the finale of Final Fantasy XIV post-game. There was a lot of big things that happened. Before we get to the big finale, uh, let's start off with something a bit more fun, which was the final Hildebrand case, at least for this expansion. I thought it was a very fitting finale. There were some fun things, like we finally got to meet Hildebrand's mom, which was really cool. She's as quirky as his dad. We also dealt with Craig, and that you finally got to 
finish the fight with him. I love that when you beat him, you get his green chicken as a minion. And that's been my default minion ever since because it's awesome. (laughs) But I'd say the story, while comical at times, was also very serious, which was kind of surprising. A constant character within the Hildebrand cases has been the reporter Ellie, which her portrayal really bummed me out because Hildebrand's rival had romantic feelings towards her, but uh, he wasn't able to really express those feelings because of her actions. And so uh, it was a bit uh, melancholy uh, seeing her finale and... I can understand the reasons of why she did what she did, but it was still a bummer to see. Although it was hilarious how Hildebrand, because he is partially undead, was able to talk to the zombie horde and uh, basically become friends with them. And of course, the finale is like him launching like a rocket into the sky, which was pretty fun. But I really enjoyed the Hildebrand cases. I love the final rewards you got. And I'm really excited to see where Hildebrand goes because I know he continues in the other expansions. And I just love him and his the humor of him and his cases. They're a lot of fun and I highly enjoyed them. Okay, so the grand finale, the big uh, soiree dinner where a lot of stuff goes down. <laughs> I watched it for a second time with... Uh, my brother, who has also played the game, and his reactions were amazing. <laughs> it was akin to when uh, people who watched Game of Thrones saw the Red Wedding for the first time, and they're just really upset at their TV. That's what it was like with my brother. <laughs> and uh, that was quite, uh, I wouldn't say enjoyable, but that was fun to see his reactions. Uh, he did not take it well. <laughs> But it was a good refresher because a lot of stuff goes down. First, before the uh, Sultan of Odah is going to announce her resignation as the Sultan, she is poisoned, and you, as in your character, and the seventh, the signs of the Seventh Dawn are framed for her murder. Because of this, Raban is looked down upon as not doing his job in protecting the Sultanate, and is basically discarded and kind of hinted at that you should no longer have like a seat at the table and uh, we'll let you handle the funeral arrangements for the sultan as kind of an assault in the wound to what he's feeling. But basically we learned that this was a grand plan by Teleji in order for the syndicate and kind of the higher merchant classes to have complete power over, over Uldah. We also learn that the Crystal Bravers, who is uh, Alphano's group, or I think it's Alphano's group, was really in league with the Syndicate, including uh, Raban's close friend, Ilbert, where he kind of hammers home, as we've seen in the other post-game stuff, that Alphano is not as smart as he thinks he is, and is very ideal, but doesn't really understand the ways of the world. And again, one thing I loved about this finale, that kind of the post-game stuff, Hammer's Home, is, yes, you're the grand hero, and we thank you for what you've done, but we still have other issues going on in our world that we have to deal with, and that you 
we can't just come help you at your beck and call. But it also kind of shatters the illusion that the Crystal Bravers are a people of good intentions. No, it just shows the uh, the, the greed of uh, of humanity, for lack of a better word, that if there's good money to be made, people will take that and do what's best for them instead of maybe what's best good for all in the long term. Um, but Ruban goes into a rage, kills Teleji uh, for his actions, and then tries to fight Aubert and loses an arm. I loved the facial reactions that uh, are in this cutscene because uh, Teleji has a very... Um, Higurashi when they cry face when he's just taunting them about the actions that he set in motion and you just see the rage of Raban on his face like a bull about to go on the offensive just really good uh, facial animation there and because of all these that occur you as the main character are now in exile and the seventh dawn are now on the run all the members of the Seventh Dawn kind of get hung up on dealing with uh, the Crystal Bravers, but yeah, the merc- the 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 Sword Bearers that also are working in conjunction, and they're basically held up to allow you to escape. Which um, it's basically you and Alphano or Alphonse get to escape from Oda and uh, go to on forward to the next expansion. But again, I love the kind of political machinations at work here in this grand planning because in the post-game stuff, we've been given hints of stuff going on in the background that we don't really know. And just the framing of you as the main character and of the Seventh Dawn is expertly done by Teleji and just kind of uh, was a great... Like, if this was a TV series, this was a, this was a great finale where you just want to go, where's the next season? I want to get to the next season! I can't imagine a player playing through this and then having to wait, like, a couple weeks or a month before the next expansion. That I would have just been tearing my hair out, just being like, come on, when's it gonna launch? But yeah, I loved the finale. It was just a great piece of theater. And I highly enjoy it and really excited to see the ramifications in the next expansion. Also, Hank's reactions were great because <laughs> he did not take it well. <laughs>
enough enough of my ramblings about Hildebrand and his manliness. We gotta get to the other side of the coin, which is One Piece Alabaster Saga. Because you've been doing some reading. I have been. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't finished the entire Alabaster Saga. It is a, bit, a little bit longer than East Blue. And, uh, Bill, I applaud your dedication to just eating, just chewing through the 2.x patches. I, I did not expect you to finish that quickly. I know that for most people, it's a bit of a slog. And a lot of people take their time and slog through. But you ate that within, like, a week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a problem. That's that's the real <laughs> answer. I have a problem when it comes to my content is that I just I just eat it up and eat it up and say, Give me more Well, I'm I'm chewing through it at a reasonable pace. I unfortunately haven't been able to I haven't been able to read this as fast as I did these blue. Just I've had a you know, the end of the quarter work's been a little wild. I've had a lot of other things I've been doing, such as mm-hmm. the aforementioned beating Stormblood. So uh a lot of things on my plate currently, so I haven't finished. Um, of course, we're, we, I'm going to continue. Uh, don't think otherwise. But where I'm at currently, uh, well, we can talk up to pretty much up to the Alabasta, the part where they get to Alabasta, which is well, honestly a sizable chunk of story in and of itself. So the big thing I was excited for you to do is to get to Drum Island and meet Chopper. What did you think of Drum Island? It was. It's interesting because up to that point, when we when we start Alabasta Saga, they get into the Grand Line, which uh, initially I was thinking that oh, this is the end of the story. Isn't isn't the One Piece on the Grand Line? Why well, they're already there? Well, that's that's it. This is it. The One Piece. But no, it turns <laughs> out the Grand the Grand Line is huge. <laughs> it is a huge body of water and and piece of the continent. Yes. And what makes it you know seem even larger is how chaotic the Grand Line is. They say that because it's it's pretty much the equator uh, of the planet they're on, I believe, and that means that there's a lot of weird weather patterns and uh, like magnetic forces don't let traditional compasses work the way you would think they work. So you have to have this made-up anime plot device. Uh, what do they call the little wrist compasses? Yeah, the log pose. That's it. I looked it up. I was like, what the hell is a log pose? And it turns out it's just a it's a, a fictional little piece of kit that's made up just for one piece. It doesn't actually exist. Uh, yeah, so that's the sort of the, the lead up into why pretty much Oda telling us, hey, this is going to take a lot longer than just you know going straight to the one piece. So we start off there. We go to Whiskey Peak where we, we by that point, we've met a few members of Baroque Works this seemingly international group of supervillains, like secret agent that are causing mischief. And so they have led the straw hats like they do all the pirates onto whiskey peak to rob them, take their, their gold and resources. But it turns out everything completely flips like this turned on his face because one of the broke works agents, actually two of the broke works agents are actually double agents. We have princess Vivi and uh, Igaram, right? Her butler. We're in the anime. He just likes to sing a lot. La, la, la. <laughs> in the manga, they translated him just like doing, you know, me, 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 trying to like clear his throat. Mm-hmm. So. Don't forget her. Don't forget her. Her awesome, not chocobo, 
pet <laughs> Kuroko. I think it's wait no, it's uh, Kairu, 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 Kairu. Yeah, yeah, Kairu. Yeah, so they they go to go to Whiskey Peak. It's run by Baroque Works, this super villain organization. It turns out that Vivi and Igaram are double agents. They actually come from the Kingdom of Alabasta, that has been taken over. If if you know if if maybe just in name more so than actuality, but there are machinations going on in Alabasta, being perpetrated by Brokeworks, and Vivi and Igarim are trying to win their kingdom back. Uh, at that mm-hmm. point, they uh, pick Vivi up. Unfortunately, Igarim sacrifices himself to save them, to allow them to escape. And now the Straw Hats have another crew member, perhaps a temporary crew member, in Vivi and Karu. All right, so on the way to um, to Whiskey, or rather, on the way to Alabasta, they go to a number of other islands. They go to, uh, what's the first one? Little Jungle? Little Garden is the first one, where they, it is a prehistoric island where two giants have taken up residence. Yes, they play a prominence within One Piece lore i don't want to spoil it but they play a prominence in one piece lore later not something like in your face but it's like a fun little nugget in the background that is interesting because i kind of figured these would be a one-off a one-off arc i don't like captain crow like well i'll say this from like we don't i don't think this is a big spoiler we don't see them again like in in present story, but they're they're prominent names late uh, later. Interesting. Okay, well, I got to watch out for them uh, at that point. But they show up. It turns out these two giants have been fighting each other for some forgotten slight. They're both fighting for their honor. They don't really know exactly what. We have a couple of members of Brokework show up to. And uh, you know, in the process of hunting the straw hats, then get involved in the fight. Uh, we we introduced to Mister Three, who has wha- like whack wax powers. His uh, my one of my favorite One Piece characters of all time, Candle Lock. He's <laughs> he's so sophisticated. I wish I wish I could be as sophisticated as as Mister Three, with his amazing hair that is not on fire. <laughs> nope. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's a character that <laughs> that in terms of like s- smaller characters, I've adopted and just said, "You and me, best friends, don't care." He's great. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that all the Brokework characters they become some of my favorite villains just because of how goofy their designs are. They uh, all of the men are uh, have code names based on numbers. And yep. all of the women have code names based on holidays or days of the week. <laughs> they all have really fun costumes and fun powers. So yeah, uh, number three has the ability to create wax and mold wax in, in certain powers. So one of his big things in Little Garden is trapping um, half of our crew into a like wax statues. Uh, it's kind of a a fun like a fun timer built into the story. Uh, yeah, well, eventually they, they get out of that. They defeat Mr. Three and uh, what is it? Is it Golden Week? Miss Golden Week uh, with the colors, the color power, colors trap power. Uh, 
to continue on. The next stop is Drum Drum Island, which is what you mentioned. And yeah, so so far, you know, the the first saga's been about them building up their crew. They've got the navigator, they've got a cook, they've got like a bodyguard. Now they need a doctor because as soon as they get out of Little Garden, Nami gets sick, really badly oh, no. sick. Really badly sick, and they have no clue what's going on. She's got a fever. She's trying to deny it, but it's obvious that she's not doing too well. So they um, eventually come across another goofy pirate crew in, in the middle of uh, middle of the water. Uh, at this point, I think it's like an ice, an ice area. See, another thing about the Grand Lion is that not only does it like destroy compasses, it also has a lot of weird weather patterns. Like so, we see all four seasons happen very, very close to each other. So it's almost like Otis saying, "I don't really know what I want to do here, but I want to have a lot of different environments. So let's just hand wave it away." <laughs> it's a it's it's a plot device so that way he can do whatever world he's interested in doing at that point. Which hey, I think that's great because then you're not const- constrained by your own lore into like we must only do this type of island or this type of environment i say it pays off i mean this one piece is very much a cartoony type of series so it didn't like break my immersion or anything Uh, but i I agree that it lets them do a lot of different stuff because uh, as they defeat this uh, first pirate crew uh waffles gang they move on to drum island which is full of snow completely covered in snow and because they're on an island full of snow there are reindeer present and one of the reindeer uh doesn't have a red nose he has a blue nose and this is tony tony chopper (laughs) and he's a unique character in that he was an animal that at one point while traveling around the the area of the island ate a gum gum fruit or devil fruit um that allowed him to uh, be able to talk and uh, made him uh, more than just your your average reindeer. He's not a raccoon. He's a reindeer. He is a reindeer that doesn't look like a reindeer. Well, when you first meet him, he is reindeer shape, to be fair. But we mostly see him in this little scrawny, like you say, a raccoon. Oh, he looks like a little tanuki, maybe, uh, with a, a hat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, he's eating the, the what was it? The devil fruit, the people fruit, is it? Where he gets to turn into a people. Mm-hmm. Not only can he turn into like a, a furry, basically a fursona, <laughs> he can uh, change it to a couple <laughs> different phases in between, like an actual reindeer form and a big buff human form. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chopper is very much—he's very different than the other character we met so far. So we have you know Luffy; he's very headstrong. Zoro is just you know, a big, tough swordsman. Um, Sanji is just kind of a, like, he's got a potty mouth, and he's just really tough. And we've seen, like, their stories before. But Chopper is kind of a coward in a way that's a little different than Usopp. He's he's very uncomfortable around, If I from what I remember, he's very uncomfortable around strangers. Like, when he first meets Nami in Dr. Kuro's, um, house where he is just completely afraid of interacting with Nami. 
even though Nami's not going to do anything. And he's just, he's very shy. And that kind of makes sense because in his backstory, he's lived a very sheltered, kind of isolated life where he's not had a lot of interactions with others. Yeah, I think shy is a better way to put it for sure. Usopp's more of a coward, more of a scaredy cat that way. Chopper is, he's very apprehensive of people because they've all called him monsters in the past. He's, he was never accepted among the reindeer. You know, they used to laugh and call him names. Ha uh, <laughs> They, uh, he, uh, was never able to get really along with humans. They just called him a monster and ran him off. It was only the, uh, the doctor, uh, that he met. Uh, Dr. Here look was the, the one in his backstory. And basically like, uh, the doctor, they kind of gave him like a sense of grounding and a bit of a, a family because without the doctor like he would just be all alone and that's where he gets his um love or interest in learning medicine is through the good doctor exactly exactly because the uh, the doctor here look is trying to uh like like create a cure-all uh, a cure that works for every everybody like his big backstory is that he's not actually a doctor. He just likes experimenting, mixing potions and concoctions that really end up making people sick more so than curing them. Uh, but he keeps trying. He's, he's sure that he's got a, a tonic that can cure everybody. And so he instills this, um, I guess this positive energy, this optimism into chopper which is ironic because the other people of the island don't like either of them. They sort of keep them at a distance and chase them off whenever they're around. It's it's hammering home the other common theme within One Piece is just the misfit mentality that a lot of One Piece characters have. And in this case, it's it's a little earned because we we as we stay on Drum Island and we meet a lot of the people there, we see that it has a history. We learned that the previous king of Drum Island was Wapple, the pirate captain we saw right before the arc. He um he also ate a gum gum fruit. I'm at no sorry. <laughs> we keep calling it gum gum fruit, but that's the one that Luffy has. It's not everybody's. Uh, he ate another devil fruit. I don't know what it's called, but it allows him to eat anything uh, and keep like store it into his body. <laughs> Again. Wario. <laughs> he does kind of look like Wario. He's got that really, he's very broad. He's got like, it's really mean looking evil face. He's got a, he's got facial hair. He's got a little mustache. You could see Waffle saying like, you know, wow. <laughs> but I, yeah. if I, if I, if I remember correctly, like he had left the Island to become a pirate and then gets like, trounced by luffy and then goes back to the island and just basically says i'm the ruler again (laughs) right right so like the the big contention is that he leaves with he has like a monopoly on all the doctors of the island he's kidnapped and taken all the doctors with him so all that's left is dr kureha which is a like the person that the most connected with here look even though she didn't really like him either but when here look ends up we you know get the resolution there he ends up leaving we see she takes in chopper 
And because she's the only doctor on the island, she's able to charge like extravagant, like extravagant prices for any services. And she's actually yeah, taken yeah. up residence on Wapples Castle, on the highest peak of Drum Island. Yeah, and and she's basically the opposite of of her look, where she's all about the money, and she's not a very warm person. <laughs> she's, uh, if I remember correctly, like. She can be very bossy and wants things done her way. Yeah, it, it's hard to really dislike her, like in the sense of being a villain, because even though she is kind of a, a jerk to the people of the island, I get the impression that she's just been burned too many times with everything that happened with Wapple. It really feels like she's just trying to make a living, even if it requires, you know, pissing people off. And I think she also teaches Chopper more about the ways of medicine too. Like she, he basically becomes an assistant to her if I remember correctly. Yeah. In fact, we first see him, she's, she's riding her out on a sleigh uh, being led by Chopper in his actual reindeer form. So it was kind of funny to see him at first, not in his you know iconic little cartoony little runt form, but it like looking like a full reindeer. Uh, in a form that's not complete, completely, um, you know, in a form that is reminiscent of Santa. I think there's even a, a, a panel or two where it shows them flying against the moon or something. It looks a lot like, you know, Santa Claus. All right. Well, as uh, as the Straw Hats are wont to do, with all this stuff sort of comes to a head, and it's shown that Wapple is trying to take over the island and keep everybody under his boot, uh, Luffy steps in and saves the day. We see um, he inspires Chopper to to sort of rise up and protect the people in his uh, on his island, even though he's been kind of abused by them throughout his life. We see a lot of cool forms that Chopper can go through with his power. There's one form that he dare does not do because he's afraid of losing control. Mm-hmm. Did, that, did that come up? You know, it's been a minute since I read that part. I, there were there were a lot of different forms he went through. Uh, a lot of it focuses on like him enhancing parts of his body at mm-hmm. one at a time. Yeah, where he uses a ball or he uses some something to get to transform into these different types of body form uh, transformations. And I and like with Nami, Chopper also has a bit of a tragic backstory as well, where he. Uh, accidentally poisons his mentor, killing him. Just the the heartbreak of that. I remember being very emotional about over that, and getting at one point very weepy because you accidentally hurt someone that you really love and that gave you some form of uh, shelter. gave gave you a bit of your pur- a purpose of what you want to do in your life. So that was tr- really tragic. And just the, the ideal of the doctor is really instilled in, into chop into chopper. Right. Right. So here Luke himself, you know, he wasn't a good, he wasn't good at what he was doing. He was very much, you know, trying to inspire the people around him. Uh, the, the power of positive, positive thinking really. And by taking in Chopper and trying to raise him as a doctor, I think he really wanted him to surpass him in, in reality. And he knew that by encouraging Chopper, 
I think the looking at it now, it looks like he um he ate a poisonous mushroom that Chopper brought him, thinking it was going to be medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think he knew that at that time that he knew that his time was up. He knew that he had accomplished really all he could accomplish, in all honesty. So to pass that, you know, on to his adoptive son, as it were, uh, he needed to continue continue down that path, sacrifice himself. And ultimately, that's that's what happens. Um, we see the big showdown at the top of the the castle when all is revealed, and Chopper uh, sort of backs away from from running away. He loses his his cowardice and decides to fight. And we see the big scene where Luffy's like at the top of the castle parapet, holding that flag, the uh, the Jolly Roger with the Sakura petals on the background. It's the- as, this is the symbol of the doctor. Mm-hmm. As we see him wapple bombard him with a couple cannonballs, but he's still standing, showing this is, you know, this is what being a pirate means. It's, it's not necessarily in you know in Luffy's eyes. It's not necessarily about just like going around the seas and, and uh, pillaging and whatnot. It's about carving your own freedom out and deciding to live your life as you want it. Which, uh, it's a very One Piece ending. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, eventually they do defeat Wapple, uh, yet another supervillain, and uh, th- another notch in Luffy's straw hat. We'll put it that way. <laughs> they uh, they've cured Nami. Doctor Kuriha has identified that the uh, sickness that she's had uh, was almost fatal. It, she would have died had they not got there. Convenient plotting, if I do say so myself. But uh, she's magically cured. We know that Chopper has now been inspired to himself be a pirate, even though he doesn't know entirely what that means, in all honesty, and decides to join the Straw Hats as their doctor. Now, I, sh- I should add it before we move on to Alabasta proper. What do you think of the, the kind of the fan casting and the suggestions that Jamie Lee Curtis play the role of, of the doctor? I can, I can uh, see that. In all honesty, uh, she would need a. I think. I think Doctor Kreha has a like a big nose or a big chin. She looks like a witch, and I think now that I'm looking back on it, she's called a witch and in, in the in the in the text directly. She would need some makeup to really get that effect come across, but uh, she could totally do it. Absolutely. I think that would be really cool. I know it's stunt. It's kind of uh, 
fan casting, but I think that would be a really cool touch, and because it wouldn't require a lot of episodes, I think she could easily do it. It wouldn't be a huge time commitment, <laughs> time commitment um, like being a Straw Hat crew member, so I think that would be pretty cool. And her son is into One Piece, so maybe she would do it for her son. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, we kind of briefly touched upon it uh, before, but if if they get to this part, if one if Netflix does not cancel the One Piece show, then that'll be like this is like season two territory for sure. Yeah, you know, most most likely it could still happen. We can still see yeah. it. Who who knows with the Netflix black box? Anything could happen at this point. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they do. Not only Doctor Kariha. But how they decide to do Chopper? Is Chopper going to be a CG monstrosity? Or are they going to try to cast him as a real-life person? Yeah, that'll be tricky because that CG is not going to be probably cheap. Um, I I would rather have someone in like... They'd have to make some adjustments, but I would prefer something with prosthetics and makeup instead. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll see, and and I'm also curious what they're gonna be if this if it does continue beyond into like post time skip era, which I'm doubtful. But you never know. Uh, Chopper's character design does change, where it f- it feels like the One Piece editor has basically said to Oda, "We like Chopper, but we need him to be more cutesy, so that way we can sell things. Can you make him more <laughs> cuter? Um, <laughs> because like." In the in his original character design, he's very kind of grungy and, and uh, not very cutable. But in his post skip character design, he's very much like a cutesy doll in a way. So, who knows how they would uh, design him? Uh, I would imagine it'd be more like a cutesy doll in the Netflix version. But I I would prefer they kind of stick with how he originally looks and then do a lot of prosthetics and makeup effects than CGI because something long-term, I think CGI would be a bit of a pain in the butt to do. Yeah. One of the gags I like that they bring back a couple of times is Chopper doesn't know how to hide. <laughs> Whenever he tries to hide, you know, you don't really think of hiding your body behind a wall and peeking over the edge. He does the opposite. <laughs> he puts his body in the doorway and sort of like puts his head behind the wall. It's, it's something that's come up even later in the uh, Alabasta, like part, you know, Alabasta arc proper. And he's really bad at hiding, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, well, eventually they do that. They they solve the waffle puzzle. They get a doctor for the road and move on and finally reach their goal of, of Alabasta, the kingdom of Alabasta. Where you know Vivi's Vivi's hometown, and we get a bunch of story that follows when they get there. Uh, let's see. So we we find out what even happens in that order. I'm trying to think now, because where I'm at currently, I'm currently where they're about to get to um, uh, Alubarma, Alubarna, where the big battle is about to happen between everybody. I th- I think and... we should I think we should say to our listeners that because of how vast one piece is we're never going to get everything exactly in order so if we forget something that you think we should have mentioned maybe that could be something to bring up in an email it's true and uh 
to, to, to jog our memories because uh, <laughs> Tobias is taking in a lot of information when, when reading One Piece and I'm having to stretch back somewhat from in my memory when I watched One Piece. So we'll leave, uh, we'll leave it at this. When they, they get to Alabasta, they go to the first, the port city of Nanohara. And when mm-hmm. they get there or when they are approaching there, we meet another member, uh, Baroque Works, Mr. Two Bond Clay. Yeah, he's fun. He initially shows up as a friend. Um, they find him on the open seas. They hang out for a bit. They just talk without bringing up who they are to each other. And only find out later that they're actually enemies. <laughs> <laughs> And I love when they first meet, like, he just shows off his devil fruit power, no problem. Like, yeah, I I can imitate and look like anybody of my choosing. Where he makes himself look like Nami, makes himself look like uh, Zoro, makes himself look like Sanji. And they're all just going, oh, that's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) They all are perfectly happy. It's it's kind of funny how... You see the characters in, in this show, in this manga, they all would, would be happy just to hang out with each other, except they, their forces at work, they dictate what sides they're on. In terms of characters, did you meet, I don't know if you talked about him, or if we've talked about him in other episodes, but did you meet Smoker? Yeah, they actually, and he just showed up again, so in, in Rogue Town, they meet Captain Smoker? He's Captain, I believe, right? Yeah, he's he is a captain. Yeah, so he he's a captain of in in the navy. He's not a pirate captain, but he's part of the navy. Marines, it's marines. Oh, the marines. Okay, are are the marines different than the navy? Is what you're telling me? No, it's just the way they just call them the marines in right. in One Piece. Okay, not the not the navy. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so yeah, so Captain Smoker is of the Marines, who, as we've talked about before, are supposed to be the good guys. Supposed to be. Uh, not always. Uh, it feels like the whole organization is like a corrupt, you know, corrupt police, where you've got some some good apples, like Captain Smoker is generally a good one, but it's kind of hard to get stuff done when so many of the bad ones are above you, you know? And he's frustrated by the red tape of the Marines, and he, I don't think this is a big spoiler, but he's frustrated in having to deal with all the hoops as a Marine in his position of power that he has to deal with. And it feels like, you know, just like, just like the police in her life, it feels like that, it feels a lot like that red tape is kind of meant to hold people back, you know, and prevent change from happening. Hmm. And also... His assistant, who I'm forgetting her name because I'm bad. Tashigi. Tashigi. Thank you. Tashigi is, we're given hints, but it's it's not confirmed. It's a possibility maybe that she is Zoro's childhood friend, but we don't know that. Yeah, it's, she looks like, she looks like um, Zoro's friend, but I could have swore that she died, right? In, in the backstory. We're told that. We're told? Okay, well, I, I see what you're putting down here. <laughs> but uh, now you're right. Uh, they, they mentioned they should, when, we, when we see Tashigi in Logetown, she's trying to buy the swords. Or she's in the sword shop at the same time that Zoro is. And they start talking about the histories of certain swords that they have. And so you're kind of, you're meant to like 
like her as a character in the same way that I think you're meant to like Captain Smoker, even though he is one of the antagonists um, against the Straw Hats. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all this comes down to what you were leading into, which we see Smoker shows up in in the port city of Nanohana. Uh, we, our Straw Hats get there. They are hungry after being out of the open sea. They go to the nearest pub. They start drinking and eating. And then Captain Smoker sits right down next to them. And uh, <laughs> they run away in a very comedic, you know, goofy fashion. But it turns out that another person is there. Ace. Yeah, you finally met Ace. And Luffy's Ace is, brother. Uh, Luffy's brother, right, right. Which I think is what confused me when I first got into One Piece. Is He looks... He and um, what Shanks from the very first chapter, they all, all three of these characters, Ace, Luffy, and Shanks, look kind of similar to each other in a way they could all be brothers or relatives. But if I'm remembering, Shanks isn't actually related to them. He's just, he just has the straw hat, right? Yeah, Shanks, Shanks is not related to Luffy and not related to Ace. Okay. Well, we see Ace, Luffy's brother, who also has a hat, even though I don't think it's a straw hat exactly. Not that no, I'm it's like it's it's like a ha- it's like a um something you probably wear at the beach, and he has like a happy face, and then like an angry face, and a sad face. If I remember correctly. Mm, right, it's, right. It's 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 a kind of very unique hat, and his. Pa- I don't. I'm trying to remember if you if they revealed his power, but his power is he has the control of a fire. Yes, so, because everyone in this show has eaten a devil fruit. This thing that's yes. supposed to be rare, yeah, that you know, <laughs> it's supposed to be unique that Luffy has. Every other character has eaten a devil fruit, which is I feel like I keep saying this. <laughs> just 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 wave that away. Just ignore that. We, I feel just like, ignore it. Yeah, at this point that's just everyone's everyone has eaten a fruit. You know, it's kind of it's view it the same way as people view JoJo, where in JoJo everyone in JoJo has a stand. That's fair. That's fair. Everyone has this as a stand or power. Yeah. So they they're in the port city. They meet not only Captain Smoker, they meet Ace, who's also a pirate, who's working with. Is he working with Crocodile, or is it a different one? No, he does not work with Crocodile. Okay, he's he's. He's connected to somebody up the chain. I think one of he's crocodiles. he's connected. I don't because I, I don't want to spoil it because I don't know if he mentioned if they mentioned it. But he works for a very prominent pirate mm-hmm. group. I remember them talking about that. Uh, he doesn't stay around that much. He pretty much gets gets the hell out of dodge. I think Broke no, is coming into town to to chase yeah, them, and he ends up smoking the like half their horses. Yeah, where he basically meets the crew and Mm -hmm. Luffy is doing something else. If I remember correctly. And he sees Luffy at, by the end, by the end he does meet up with his brother. Okay. But at least in the beginning, he he's just talking to the straw hat crew and is basically like, man, I didn't know if I could find, if anybody else could put up with my brother. So thanks for putting up with (laughs) him. And from then on, I I group the travels to the other side of the kingdom uh, which is the 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 on the other side of the the river, I guess, is Sandora, 
And we'll leave it at that because then things ramp up. We're, by this point, we've, we're aware that uh, the Baruch Works leader, Crocodile, he's also one of the seven warlords, one of the big players that we've kind of been hinted at previously in the work. We know that did he's they, also leading the secret agent group. Mm-hmm. Did they explain what the seven warlords is? Uh, I mean, it kind of felt like a traditional shonen thing. There's seven big pirates. Uh, I can tell you what the what the warlords are. I don't think that's a huge spoiler. The seven warlords are seven very powerful pirates that work for the marines. And basically, these seven warlords can be called upon by the marines for any reason what they choose. In... Uh, the trade-off for them becoming warlords is that the marines will leave them alone and they won't be arrested or harangued by the marines or the other or by um, the marine admirals so basically they're kind of given as long as they uh, perform duties uh, when called upon by the the marines they are allowed to basically do whatever they want. And Crocodile is the first warlord we meet. Actually, well, technically the second, because we meet Mihawk. Yeah, sorry. We, yeah, we, he's the second warlord we meet, because the first one is Mihawk. Yeah, they, it, it really hints it. I don't think it flat out says it, but the way they show it in the panel, we see the silhouettes for the seven warlords in a very... You know, an anime tropey fashion. Uh, Mihawk is absolutely one of those silhouettes we see. But uh, the yeah, Crocodile is the first one we actually, for real, get to fight. I'm sure we'll fight all of them as the story progresses. I'm sure that's going to happen. But Crocodile is the first one. Uh, may- maybe. And, uh, <laughs> what does that mean, Bill? <laughs> oh, you've got me worried. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll find out. I'll just have to read the manga. Uh, okay, have well, to read. <laughs> uh, so, and, and pretty much what you said is true here. Like Crocodile, the whole gist is he's got Project Utopia, where he is more or less going to conquer Alabasta, take it over from the existing king and Princess Vivi by pretty much making them fight each other and causing a civil war, and allows, which allows him to pick up the pieces. So, and the last thing is, if I think like. He's he's an advisor to the king of mm-hmm. Alabasta. Yeah, he's generally considered a good guy to the people. Like he runs this casino, um, the what cro- crocodile dinners or something like that. Yeah, where like his public image is like, no, he's a hero of Alabasta, and he works with the king, and like he's one of the good guys. Yes, he's one of the good billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> One of, one of the good uh, ones, uh, at least publicly. But we know that behind the scenes, he's been running Baroque Works and funding them and plotting them doing a coup d'etat. Okay, I think we'll wrap it up there because the rest of it is all kind of leading up to the big Alavasta arc. You know, there's there's like the desert we go through, there's rain base, and the big final battle, which I haven't quite gotten to yet. So there's still a lot of story as we wrap up, I'm curious, like, you're now in your, like, real long arc in One Piece, and some people, I think that can be a turnoff to some people, and some people get really engaged with them, 
And so I'm curious, I know you haven't finished it, but how are you feeling about kind of this longer story that you're, de- that you're dealing with? Because this is very common in One Piece where you, you doc, the, the days of a short story are kind of over. You're now in these long arcs. You really have to reconfigure your brain when reading these parts for sure. You know, they're not just cut and dry like the buggy arc was not like captain crow there's not just singular stories that you're done with and i think that now that we've done a lot of setup now that we've got our basic pirate crew with chopper we're you know i know that more people show up later but i feel like that's going to be spaced out a little more really that the the focus is going to be on alabasta this big civil war so it's almost like Rather than reading One Piece, a story about a pirate crew, we're reading One Piece, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. It's like a particular, <laughs> it's, it's almost like you're reading a separate series than Arlong Park. Sure, you have the same the same principles. You've got Luffy, you've got, you know, Usopp, and you've got all these characters that feel like they're the same characters. But you're not stuck on a boat like you have been in the past. You're not... Skipping from island to island, which is its own little theme park, you know, fighting the the Disney villain of that little area. We're getting into a big story here. And the way that Alabasta has unfolded, it's not like Crocodile is just like Arlong 2.0. He's not just just taken over because of the strength of, you know, his inherent strength. He's taken over on a social level. He's convinced the people and manipulated the people around him to do this. So there's more nuance there than we see with buggy like all the all the people before that were just one note villains there's a lot going on here and i don't really have much of a doubt that at the end of the day luffy's going to win that's just because that's what he do (laughs) it wouldn't there's a reason one piece runs along you know like a thousand plus chapters it's because luffy keeps winning but i'm interested to see what happens not only how he wins but how he ties off this part because there's a lot of things going on there's the rebel group that we will see later. You, there's the, 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 the loyalist people loyal to the King and you have broke works, which still has a lot of agents under their belt and they could turn violent if the situation required. So I, I feel like it's, it's kind of earned for it to be long. <laughs> so many sub bosses, so little time, <laughs> <laughs> so little time. Indeed. Uh, I wish I had more of it. Otherwise I'd be into the next arc by now. No, I'm really, I'm really digging it. I like, um, it's more, it's more satisfying uh, than East Blue in that regard. I'll say, I really liked, of course, uh, Arlong Park because it it tied off one of our characters and really gave them. It really paid off all the stuff we'd built on Nami so far, and I'm sure Alabasta will do the same. We just have to get through a lot more, a lot more meat to get there. Mm-hmm. which unfortunately means that it's taking me longer to get through it because there's so much meat there, but it's good meat. Good soup. <laughs> good soup. Well, I think that's going to do it today on our recap of both 2.x ARR and the first half of the Alabasta saga with One Piece. Bill, any closing thoughts? Just excited as you're experiencing more one piece lore i'm really excited to find out the aftermath of uh 2.x and what happens in heaven's word 
So just generally just super excited. You know what I'm excited for, Bill? What? I'm excited to hear what people have to say in our email inbox. Again, you can reach out to us at agrandblindreborn at gmail.com. Uh, by all means, send us email. We love to hear from, from other people. If you have any anecdotes about uh, playing 14 uh, through the first section of, of, of Realm Reborn or reading One Piece, we would love to hear it. And any other comparisons you have between the two, uh, like Flu had on our last episode, feel free to drop us a line there. Uh, but if you want to hit us up on social media, maybe email is a little too, how should I say? Cumbersome? Email is a little too daunting or uh, maybe a little too outdated in the year of our Lord 2022. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Bill, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at WBForeman, F-O-R-E-M-A-N, 999 on the Twitter where I mostly tweet about One Piece, movies I'm watching, and all my other media that I consume. Well, Bill, it sounds like Twitter is maybe being taken over right now by Crocodile, so we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see a great big battle of uh, Twitter Basta takes off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unlike Crocodile, who is a grand strategist, this uh, this grand takeover, I don't know if it's going to go too well. <laughs> so potentially... Uh, listeners, there might be a there might be a, a time skip where we go to a new social media <laughs> island slash land. But for now, we're still in the Twitter. Yep, and I'm still on uh, Drum Island on uh, my Twitter account uh, at Reverend underscore Tobias. Well, Bill, as we always say, till sea swallows all, set sail for One Piece. Yahoo!